Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Build Value by Choice. I'm your host, Nana Bonsu, President and CEO of Infinite Horizons Incorporated. Infinite Horizons helps business, especially on the small and medium-sized side, to help them increase the value of their business by leveraging your data assets and using our proprietary cloud-based technologies and our partners to help you increase the value of your business without worrying about other factors such as uh, being caught out with too many expenses or working too much on a part of the leadership team. This week, I have on an expert, a leader in the human capital industry. One of the things that we found is that labor shortage and especially qualified talent has been one of the top two or three items on the minds of business owners for a long time now. And Scott Detman, who's my guest today, He's the CEO of Avenica. He's, uh, he's an expert on the topic. His company deals with pairing talent with businesses and job openings. And so this is actually a timely time to discuss this issue and what you're doing to help fulfill that gap. I'm going to read a little bit about his bio. Avenica CEO Scott Detman is a dynamic leader with a strong track record of driving growth through transformation and innovation in the human capital arena. Scott joined Avenica in 2019 following a six-year stint with Manpower Group that included progressive leadership roles, spanning analytics and transformation to general management and business development. Scott has a master's degree and a PhD from the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and he completed an executive leadership program at Harvard Business School. Welcome to the show, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wonderful. So you have an impressive background. So what was it like... Um, just going from being an expert to becoming a leader? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I got the advice once from a mentor that uh, leaders are, are rarely experts and experts are rarely leaders. And so at some point you kind of need to pick a path and, um, you know, having the, the background in academia, I was definitely headed down that, that expert path, but, you know, it, it took a little bit of work, but I think, you know, kind of uh, forcing myself to step back and understand sort of the foundation of things and and not get so deep into the details and, and really trust other people that are smarter than me to to you know inform opinions and things like that was was crucial right you can uh, as an expert you can know a lot about one thing right but then you start to you know sort of lose sight of how that thing fits into the larger context and the larger right. context is what leadership's all about right you know setting the vision and you know providing the big picture and communicating totally. it out. Yeah. I know you have sort of a against your grain perspective on this whole talent shortage thing. So I wanted to ask you, do we really have a talent shortage? Why or why not? So, uh, yeah, the, you know, my, my view on this is maybe a, a little bit contrarian, but uh, I don't believe we do have a talent shortage. I think we have a talent translation problem. I think there are a lot of individuals with the potential to do a lot of great work. And a lot of a lot of organizations that need those individuals, but the, the there's this translation problem happening between potential and impact, and and so much of that goes into the mechanics of how we connect people to work and how we evaluate talent and how we view skills and and, and you know all, all sorts of things. But um, I, you know, you, you look at just even the number of people that graduate from college each year; it's about four million people just in the you know the the U.S. and and you look at and, you know, that in theory is 4 million qualified people every year entering the labor force, you know, regularly. And so, um, you know, as people are working longer, you know, working until they're older, uh, 
the, the, the math just doesn't work out for there to be this massive mismatch uh, of, uh, of labor. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I would, I would argue we don't have a labor shortage. We just have a, you know, kind of a mismatch or, or a misalignment issue. Can you share a little bit about the primary industries that Avenicar works with or covers? Yeah, you know, I, we focus a lot on uh, organizations that uh, need a little bit of help kind of getting uh, their their name out there, right? So um, I like to think of about it, think about it as, as almost like the, uh, the, the players that are fundamental to the economy working, like the, the funders, the movers, the makers. So it's like, you know, manufacturing, financial services, logistics, supply chain, you know, all this stuff that happens kind of behind the scenes insurance um, that's really, really necessary for everyone, but maybe isn't a brand that you go into a store and buy, right? So those big consumer brands are easier targets for candidates, you know, looking for a place to work, right? You know, people see Target and so they think, oh, that's a great place to go work. But, you know, the, it's, uh, it's because you're familiar with that consumer brand, um, but we really do a lot on sort of the B2B side, you know, the, the businesses and services that kind of underpin the economy. Can you share a little bit about how Avenica connects um, without you know, giving too much of a secret sauce, but in general, just how you connect entry-level talent to opportunities for the right businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, really what we do is we we cast a very wide net to begin with, right? So, so we work with tens of thousands of candidates every single year. And we try to limit the amount of areas where someone may disqualify themselves or where, you know, and, and, and try to in, enhance the areas where people may sort of see this as a potential. So we start with a really wide, you know, kind of aperture and bring as many people in as we can. We assess those individuals uh, primarily on things like work preference and behavior and, and style uh, and interest and values, really kind of the core things that are essential to someone kind of being becoming a cultural fit. Right. And, and then we kind of look at almost in a secondary lens skills and, and aptitude and some of those kinds of things. But it's all started with this, this notion of getting as many people into the funnel as we can and then assessing them based on fit and values and interest and sort of, you know, future plans and then aligning them and educating them about roles and opportunities that exist in a wide variety of, of industries and organizations where they would actually be a pretty good match because, on the at the same time that we're bringing all these candidates in and doing this, we're uh, simultaneously meeting with hiring partners. We're mapping their preferences, mapping their you know values. We're identifying what are the the things that really make someone successful in this role or in this organization. And we're starting to kind of behind the scenes do this this match uh, of of really culture and preference and, and work style. Um, so it's really kind of matching behaviors and preference to environment because especially at an entry level, you know, the, the skills are pretty transferable, right? And, and, and you can get, if you get the right person with the right intent and, and you know, uh, um, the, the hunger to learn and grow and make an impact, you can teach them all the stuff that they need to know, right? I mean, it, it really comes down to getting the right people in the right seats. And so um, that's, that's what we focus on. You think that's one of the biggest mistakes hiring managers make, which is focusing more on the hard skills, especially on the entry-level side, focus more on the hard skills versus the soft skills, like work preference, behavioral um, type of uh, orientation. And then, like you said, it's easier to teach some of these, uh, these hard skills. Do you think that is one of the biggest uh, mistakes that hiring managers make? 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of them. I mean, hiring managers are in a tough spot, right? I mean, we 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 I have empathy for hiring managers because, you know, going back, you know, let's say 25, 30 years ago, it, you know, people would apply to work at companies because they would go, maybe, maybe they'd visit their site online or they'd stop in and they'd get an application on paper or something. But the advent of, of like massive job boards and stuff. Um, came came to be, and and all of a sudden, a lot of these organizations were flooded with applicants, and applicants that you know maybe weren't the best fit or didn't really make a bunch of sense. Um, but I mean, today people can go on something like Indeed, and they can apply to you know a hundred, two hundred jobs in a matter of minutes. And so there's this disconnect between really understanding what that in, individual is interested in and what they would do and what they want to do, and with what the organization needs. And so almost as like a defensive mechanism, organizations have built these barriers to entry, right? They've created these, these skill requirements and these experience requirements that are pretty non-specific in some ways, but almost like overly specific in other ways. Uh, and, and, you know, what's happened is you've created this, this impact where people are either being screened out because they don't have this specific skill or people are self-selecting out because they don't think that they would qualify. Uh, you know, to, to work in these organizations. So, you know, the, the, it, it's hard to do because, it, you know, without some sort of filtering or a sort of channeling mechanism, organizations will be overloaded with applicants that, you know, are kind of coming from all over the place. But the best thing to do is to really kind of engage with, with applicants and give them a chance, almost create more levels and in, in requirements for them to go through and basically say like, hey, if you, if you do all this stuff, we are going to, you know, guarantee you that we'll, we'll give you a conversation. Because once, once somebody gets to the level of like having a conversation with somebody in an organization, that's where the real t- determination is made, right? It's, it's really once it's, it's at that point, um, it's never off of a resume, right? A resume is used as like that first level surface, you know, kind of surface level assessment of whether or not somebody is going to be a good fit. And it's just not, it's not an effective tool. I don't, I don't know anybody on, on the planet that would look at resumes and say like, yeah, you know, those, those things, resumes are really doing us a great service, you know, uh, on, on a daily basis. Like they, they really do a great job at, at really depicting somebody's potential. So, you know, really trying to move away from some of those kinds of tools and moving down the path of, of understanding how do we get to, to know someone? How do we understand their story, what they've been through and who they are? Uh, th- that really is, is the key to, to more effective hiring. Now, when you did you mean to say resumes are giving us a great service or a great service? Because it seemed like you were saying that the resume is just the initial just kind of thing, but the real until okay, so so let me let me let me come at it from this angle. Hire managers have limited time, right? They want to be able to funnel it to a you know a few number of candidates that are serious candidates that they can invest a lot amount of time they, they haven't having a conversation with. So it, it's almost like a tricky situation where, yes, they may be filtering, filtering out good candidates, but they also don't have the time to be able to intervene a whole bunch of people just to see their cultural fit. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the way that I look at it, I mean, I, I absolutely mean to say that resumes are not doing a, a service. They're, 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 I think, one of the worst things you know, that, that we rely on in, in business. Uh, I personally have not looked at a resume in years uh, just because I don't believe it's an effective, you know, barometer of, of potential. What, what I believe organizations can do is, is set up their process of hiring to, to, to actually require more 
investment of time, energy, and, and sort of input from applicants. But doing that with this sort of this sort of backend guarantee that like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to interview you. If you do all the things that we ask you to do and you, you know, put information in and you write this and you do this and you take this assessment and you do this, you know, whatever those steps need to be, kind of asking people to go through some of those levels to really demonstrate that they're interested. Because again, it's so easy for a candidate to just do easy apply, easy apply, easy apply. And, and there's no investment of time in understanding the role or the industry or the work that needs to be done. And so if you create a little bit more barrier in terms of the work that needs to be done, but you do that with this caveat that like, hey, if you do these things, someone from this organization will give you a call and we will have a conversation with you so that you can tell us your story. Mm-hmm. One of the things we've seen organizations do too, and you know, we're building this in at Avenica is, is um, giving people an opportunity to pick up their phone and take a selfie video and, and say, hey, take a two-minute video and tell us your story. Give us, give us your background, tell us your story, and tell us why we, you know, why you think you'd be a good fit for this organization. The people that are interested in just sort of casually easy applying, they're never going to do that. Right. But the people that are serious and have done their research and want to work at this organization, they would gladly take that step and do that if if it if it means it's going to lead to an interview and a chance to really talk to a you know, a real human and, and kind of get a chance to, to be considered for a role. Because, I mean, once somebody gets to an interview, that's when the game really starts, right? That's right. when the evaluation process really begins. Yeah, I've known, uh, I've known companies and, uh, I mean, I haven't had to spend too much, you know, too much time. Or I haven't uh, spent like as long a time as other companies. Some positions sometimes takes up to a year. Mm-hmm. Some, some positions I'm not even able to be able to be filled at all. Uh, and so um, it's, uh, I guess the, the question is, you know, why, why you think it's important that business owners change the way they funnel, you know, candidates in to make sure they have the right fit. And then also, if you have an example of like an example or two of like great candidates that you're aware of, I'm sure you probably helped them, you know, kind of, um, you know, redress the situation by great candidates that were, screened out that would have you know would have served some company really well but because they you know, because of the process i guess so this way you say the gap comes in but from the uh the candidates just kind of doing easy applies because everybody's just you know doing resumes and going on job boards and maybe you can talk about how this old job board situation maybe they need to go away maybe that's that's going to be your controversial kind of contribution to maybe we, do we need to get rid of job boards, uh, you know, altogether? And what about the small business that may not have the infrastructure to be able to? And I guess they could outsource it. But but tell us about the job boards and then why you think businesses really need to pivot away from job boards and and just go straight into putting together things like take a an application test. Uh, some kind of assessment, just so you can get to know uh, the person, and also just get to gauge the person's seriousness. Because if they're going to invest their time in, into whatever your your steps are, your process, chances are they're very serious about joining your organization. Yeah, you know, I think um, it, it's a you know great questions. Um, we find ourselves in this moment where the the power in the labor market has really shifted. Right, it's shifted away from employers and shifted to job seekers, 
And really for the first time in, in most of our lifetimes, this is the case. And so you know, it's always been the case for certain skilled individuals or like, you know, uh, highly trained operatives and things like that, right? Like, you know, there's always been a market for people that have like, you know, an intense level of skill, but for sort of the general like entry level, you know, zero to five, zero to 10 years of experience individual who's looking to do some sort of, you know, mid-level non-leadership kind of role, which is, you know, 80 to 90% of, of the, the jobs in, in, in the US. In the past, these individuals had to like, there were 10 people, um, you know, vying for one job, right? But today it sort of feels like it's flip-flopped. It feels like the, the power has shifted because of the pandemic and because of technology and the ability to work remote and, and, and all these things. So, so really what I think has to happen is organizations need to stop viewing candidates for jobs or, or potential uh, workers as this thing that they can expect to just be running in droves through their doors to come, you know, knock on their door and, and want to apply. They should view them in the same way that they view their, their customers. They should be, they should set up a strategic plan, a marketing effort, if you will. I mean, job boards, you know, organizations that go post something on a job board and they just assume, oh, someone's going to apply, someone will see it and it's great. But it's sort of like you wouldn't market to your, your customers that way. You wouldn't just sort of throw it out there and just hope and pray that some, someone's going to come through and just throw money at it. Really, you would have a more you know, focused uh, you know, idea or plan around who your customer is. How do, you, how do you connect with them? Where are they? And so a lot of what we do at Avenica is we're really helping to understand where individuals, especially at the ent- entry level, are going for information. I mean, we will post things on, on TikTok that that end up getting, you know, 400,000 views, right? And so we're sourcing candidates from all these different places and pulling people in because it's where the candidates live, right? It's where they are. We go to them, we market to them, bring them into the ecosystem and then help them understand what's available. But I mean, if you are a social work, you know, if you went to to school and studied social work, uh, most of those individuals are never going to come out of school and think, I should go find, you know, uh, a job in financial services or insurance, right? They're, they're, they're just not on that wavelength. That's not how they think about it. But then when you go to an individual with a degree in social work and say, hey, part of a job in insurance is, is this area called claims. And part of what you do in claims is you basically show up for somebody on the worst day of their life, right? You're one of the, they're having a really tough time. They've gone through something catastrophic, some sort of loss, something tragic is, is likely you know, transpired and you are part of their healing process. You get to come in, you get to help them start to start their process of healing. You, you share that with somebody who studied social work and they're like, whoa, really? That's a job? You, you get paid to do that? And, you know, in insurance, like insurance companies do that? They have no idea. And so we share some of that information and people are blown away. And those individuals end up becoming incredible employees on a claims team because they have such a high degree of empathy. They're detail oriented. They just, they do such a fantastic job because what, what really sort of inspires them personally connects to what they do professionally. Right. At the end of the day, if you can get super excited about the work that you're going to do every day, there's, there's nothing better. There's nothing that better drives work success than being passionate about what you do. Right. It's just, there's almost nothing better. So it's really, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say job boards need to go away because I I don't think that they need to go away, but I think we need to stop relying, you know, hiring managers, business owners need to stop relying on job boards as like a sole source. I'm just going to put this job up there and, 
it's just going to attract all these people. It just isn't going to work that way. You need to have a little bit more time, effort, energy, and yes, you know, investment into thinking about how do you get the right people to walk through the door so that you can evaluate them. Instead of worrying about getting 100 applicants, get 10 of the right ones, right? I mean, and, and really take your time and think about what, what is that person, what is their story? What do we place a high value on, right? So like, you know, we talk about this all the time where you could have two candidates and on paper look exactly the same, but maybe one of them has dealt with food insecurity. One of them has had a parent that was incarcerated or, or has seen addiction up close. When you see those kind of candidates and you understand their story and what they've been through to get to the place where they are, that's the candidate that you're going to want to look at because that, that candidate's not going to hide under their desk when they get a tough deliverable, right? <laughs> They're going right. to rise to the occasion. So it's really kind of rethinking this and, and, and adopting this mindset that these are individuals that are probably your most important customer, right? This is someone you need to win over and you need to think about it that way. Well, that's, that's such a great way of looking at it. It's just such a creative and innovative way of uh, reassessing. I like the way you talk about how it's not about the hard skills, but it's the behaviors and the aptitude that are needed. So uh, if a social worker may not know that it would be fit for an, an insurance claim adjuster, I, I think that is such an innovative way of, of looking at it. And I guess this is where the translation thing that you mentioned at the beginning of the show comes in, because yep. the social worker is not translating a, a job description. They may not even look at it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so because insurance, they're probably thinking math and finance and, and stuff like that. So, and, well, and uh, if you think about it, when you go, you know, if, uh, for that job seeker, they're going to uh, a job board and they're, they're treating it like a search engine, right? They're going in and they're putting in social work degree or they're putting in, you know, the industries or areas that they're interested in. And if they don't think of themselves as a potential fit for insurance or banking or, you know, what have you, it's, you know, the, the, these two ships will never pass. Like they, right. they will never, they'll never connect. And so, that's part of what we're trying to do is, is, is using technology, data science, and, you know, empathy and, and an understanding of, you know, what works and what doesn't in the, in the workplace to, to try and connect people to opportunities where they can really, you know, build a great career. I love David versus Goliath's story, right? <laughs> yeah. How is Avenica just kind of partnering with other institutions just to help, you know, bring this change about? to help you know, fulfill the gap, because clearly you have a mission and the mission is, you know, is so timely, especially in this you know, current environment. How are you from an infrastructure, do you have infrastructure to be able to support or is the deluge of um, demand that is out there? Just, just tell us how, how, how you are going about making it happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are um, we are building the infrastructure, you know, every day, um, uh, and you know, adding to it on a regular basis. We're growing rapidly, um, but today we're we're working with about three hundred hiring partners uh, across the country. Um, you know, working with you know fifty thousand applicants, fifty thousand candidates every single year. So we we have a lot of people coming in. We've done a really great job at really establishing that base, that sort of supply side base. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of the infrastructure, we're, we're really leveraging, you know, um, automation uh, to take people through processes and take them through different steps and levels that, that are, uh, that, that don't require a ton of human involvement. And then we're using humans where humans are best, which is like empathy and design, right? So, mm -hmm. so we're bringing our team in and, you know, we've got, I would argue some of the best 
talent, best employees, you know, on, on, uh, on the face of the earth. And, you know, I give them the challenge on a daily basis of, you know, put a stamp on the heart of everyone that you work with. And so do something today to work with candidates that are trying to go launch their career or relaunch their career or re-enter the workforce or, or kind of just get their career started, you know, work with those individuals and, and make an impact on their story, right? Do something meaningful. And, and it's not about, you know, d- don't be so worried about connecting them to the job or doing that. But most, most organizations that work with talent, they, they start with a demand focus, right? They think about what are the jobs we need to fill? Then let's go find people to fill those jobs. We are a supply side focus. So we, we start with the candidates and then we think about how do we help them? How do we make an impact? And so every step you know, thereafter is about you know, leveraging this pool of talent that we're building and connecting them to opportunities where you know, they may never have thought about before, but opportunities where they can really build a great career. So, you know, um, it's, you know, we're, we're a small, fast growing company. It's, you know, we're never, we're never moving fast enough, in my opinion, um, you know, which is just sort of, you know, curse of the gig. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're able to do a lot with, uh, with, you know, a fairly small group. And, uh, you know, we're adding to that, and we're building out the infrastructure. But uh, it is a little bit David versus Goliath. But you know what? I like our odds because I think we we have um, a very unique way of looking at things and and um, you know this is something this whole like consumer candidate thing is something I've been talking about for years but it wasn't really until the pandemic that that this became more of a reality I've been kind of like you know the sort of uh, false prophet you know uh, predicting that this was going to happen at some point um, and I was wrong over and over and over again until finally. You know, I was a little bit right. So I, I think I think that's where we are. And I think we're trying to capitalize on that moment and and you know, we're trying to find better ways to to do that every day. But again, it all starts with an emphasis on the candidate and giving them what they need. That's our customer. That's who we serve. And um, and it's free to the candidate, which is also great. But it's you know, it's it, it, that's where the whole process begins. No, that is um, it. Actually, what you just said, actually, because I had a question. Because a lot of times, it's all about the who pays, who who pays you, right? And yeah, and for a lot of these um, staffing companies, if they get paid by the demand side, the, the hiring companies, then obviously they're just going to look to how they can fulfill it. Um, and what is great <clears throat> and inspiring about what you said was, can you imagine making an impact on the journey of somebody, especially the entry on the entry level side? Right, helping them, you know, just fulfill this their potential, right? And that is, you know, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about that, right? Because there's nothing worse than, you know, going through 30, 40 years of your career and, you know, being in the wrong career because, you know, this the system, this education system just kind of funneled you through, you know, yeah. something like, okay, you took this course and therefore you got to go do this, you know, yep. uh, whereas you could have been the best. You know, instead of like going to do something in, you know, some museum somewhere, you could have become the best insurance adjuster, helping people in, you know, in distress and all of that. So, I think that is such a unique and innovative way um, of going about it. So that's that's an awesome thing you guys are doing. Yeah, and it's it's fun, you know, because I think each of us knows of someone. You can probably, you know, any, anyone listening could probably think of a story where somebody that they know who's been very successful and they ask them how they got there. And it's like, it was just luck. I just happened to walk into this place or I happen to know this person who gave me a call, but we, 
we're we're so advanced as a society in so many ways like we shouldn't we shouldn't be betting on luck and that luck is is you know it's uh it's lopsided right because depending on where you begin and what your background is and you know and a lot of times like what you know what you look like or or what your origin story is um you know the that luck is not equally distributed yeah. right and so uh, a lot of what we find is, I mean, we work with a lot of BIPOC candidates, a lot of first generation college students, and these are individuals that are like, that are just brimming with potential and just so much, you know, there's so much excitement and passion and energy. And it's just, it's so fun to just, you know, be in this position to be able to kind of unleash that, right? Cause they're the ones with the superpower. We just help them find it. Right. right. And then we just, you know, help, help get out of their way basically. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I would, I would, I would uh, argue with anybody. I've got the best job on the planet. That, that's for sure. Uh, I, I love what I get to do every day. No, no. I mean, I, I'm inspired. So that's what I'm, a, I'm on the board of advisors of the um, career and learning services uh, organization. And, and that's what inspires me too. Right. Which is mm-hmm. helping to build a pipeline. How do we make sure that the, high school students or K to 12 students coming through have the right um, journey or have the right things that they should be shooting you know, toward as opposed to just taking any old classes because some curriculum, you know, so of course I've been thrown together. Uh, yep. How do we build uh, roadmaps and, and career paths and, and things of that sort? So I find what you're doing very inspiring. Uh, and I guess uh, part of my profile is, you know, I like the human side and the, entrepreneurial side so you know so i you know i like what you're doing um now um if people want to get in contact with you what is the best way that they can get in contact with avenica and, and partner with you and, and things of that sort yeah i mean they can uh they can go to our website avenica.com uh you know you just sort of follow the the cues there there's ways to to join our network there's ways to you know engage with us they can Follow us on social media. We have uh, quite a presence on on all the social media platforms. Uh, we do a lot on TikTok, um, uh, you know, for, for sure. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, if you know, I'm I'm always interested to uh, to talk to interesting people, and I'm always interested in 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 furthering and expanding networks. So, you know, if people can find me personally too on on just LinkedIn. You know, send me a LinkedIn invite. I'll I'll connect with you. Always happy to talk to uh, to people that are are trying to you know, do things better or differently. And, um, that's, you know, that's kind of, that's what we live to do every day is just, you know, to, uh, kind of relentlessly pursue, you know, an environment that's just even a little bit better than the one we're in today. And, uh, and, and so anybody that is interested in that and is, you know, listening to, 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 to like your podcast, I mean, um, I'm always, I'm always excited to talk to, uh, new interesting people that, that want to make an impact. So, yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like you have the best job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. My, my wife doesn't let me use work as like an excuse. Like, oh, I'm so tired because I've been working all day. She's like, you are, it's like being in a toy store for you. You're just, you get to sit here and talk about what you love and have fun with it. So it is, it is great. And the team at Avenica is just, I mean, uh, I'm not worthy of them. They're, 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 they're amazing people. They're all, you know, brilliant and talented and passionate, you know, and it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Uh, now, do you partner with um, just colleges, or do you partner with K to twelve institutions as well? Yeah, you know, so so we we used to do a lot more on the partnership front with educational organizations and different things. We don't do as much of that anymore. We're we're kind of focused more on going directly to candidates. Um, however, I 
uh, one of the one of the passion areas for me uh, within the organization is I want to continually sort of reach further and further back into the Canada population because so many individuals that are coming out of like high school, right? They they need some of the same sort of guidance and they need some direction and like having that focus in that direction and that agency going into you know whatever you do after high school is so pivotal. If you feel like it's connecting the dots to where you want to go, like you're mm-hmm. going to be so much more successful at it. So, um, but you know, in this country, there's still this like stigma. I always joke, like there's a stigma around people that have, uh, you know, have their name on their shirt. Right. But like you have HVAC people and trades people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, like, you know, big houses, like, you know, really, you know, winning in the economy, they're doing fantastic. And, and, these are individuals that didn't have to go to college, right? And like, you know, college costs a ton of money. And so, um, yeah, we we are interested and open in, in to talk to anyone and, and everyone. Um, and, and increasingly, we're trying to get our hiring partners to rethink some of their requirements because, you know, our argument is, you know, so somebody at the end of April shouldn't be less valuable than somebody at the end of May, you know, just because they've walked across the stage and gotten a diploma um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a different person. Um, so, you know, just starting to try and rethink the requirements and what goes into being successful. I mean, we have some great hiring partners that are interested and, and passionate about the same sort of things that we are. So like looking at alternative ways to, to learn what you need to learn to be successful. So um, yeah, it, it does, you know, we, we don't do as much on the K through 12 side, but that's an area I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in expanding into. Um, because there's a lot of work to be done there for sure. Yeah, definitely would love to talk to you more offline. Uh, yeah. Just just because of the the board of advisors work that I do, that you know maybe there's a way we can we can help those guys. Uh, that would be that would be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, one of the things that, as a matter of fact, you know, the uh, as you were talking, that what the blue collar millionaire, what Dr. Stanley, the millionaire next door, right? Where there's mm-hmm. these pockets of you know, blue collar people that, you know, folks may not be aware of, but they're actually millionaires living around the neighborhood and you may not even be aware of it. And also this notion that college is not for everybody. And therefore, that's why I was, you know, asking about, hey, how do we reach out to high school graduates who may not not feel the need or want to go to college either because maybe they need to kind of work and, you know, help out their family or because they just don't have the affinity for a four-year college. How do we help uh, that demographic out? Um, but you know, I'm sure we can have that conversation in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, a lot of these things come back to this idea of uh, maybe just in, maybe just in my sort of general being, I'm a bit contrarian, but I think we have to rethink about like, why do we care about certain things in the way that we do? Right. So like, you know, why, why do so many people feel like they have to graduate high school and then go immediately into college? Why do we have this view of a college student that is 22 years old. Right. And like, it's like all of these different things that, that we've sort of, it's a societal influence in a lot of ways. And, and I think the pandemic upended a lot of that and sort of, it's like a new normal. And so we have this sort of moment and it's, it's not, you know, this window won't be open forever, but it's sort of this moment to say like, what, what really matters and, and how can we start to rethink some of these things and how can we provide the, you know, the grace for some people to, to, to try some different things and go down a different path. I mean, why can't people work, you know, uh, and, and do different things until they're 30 and then look at, you know, going to college part-time if that's what, if that's, what's in the cards for them, because, you know, frankly, 
I mean, the number of people that I know that went to college, have a bachelor's degree, and there is literally no connection to anything that they do in the day-to-day world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my undergraduate degree was in political science and it was great. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I still sort of like watching politics and stuff from, you know, from, uh, from the background, but you know, really what I learned was I, I was challenged to, to write, to do research, to think critically, to engage in debate and discussion. But so much of it is just about like testing whether or not you can show up and complete a set of tasks, right? Like, and, and college is, is much more different. Uh, it, it's incredibly different than like the working everyday world. So that, you know, that it's just probably not the best barometer to assess whether or not somebody would be a good employee. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. They're, yeah, we we could talk for days about this. Yeah. This topic. So what what are, you know this is uh, for the partnership. What are maybe the key items, the key takeaways that you want listeners to you know be able to take from the conversation we just had? Well, I w- I, w- I would encourage um, you know if I were talking to like a you know small to medium sized business owner, I would encourage them to to rethink the way that they are identifying, evaluating, and hiring individuals at any level, and just to say like okay. What is our what do our job descriptions actually look like? What do they actually say? What are we actually requiring? And what are the what are the top people in any of our roles that are doing this job? What is their background? How did they get here? And what do they tell us? Right. And kind of decentralizing, you know, some of that and, and kind of going to individuals and saying, I mean, why not go, you know, if you're if you're an organization that's hiring um, you know, customer success individuals. Why not go to some of your top performing customer success individuals and say, hey, if you were to describe the ideal employee, or the ideal team member, what, what would they need to have? And how would you know that they would be successful? And they could probably do a much better job at doing that than whoever it is that's writing all the job descriptions for every department across the organization, right? And um, because, you know, there's a lot of overskilling and different things that gets put in there. So like, kind of listening to people that do the job, rethinking this and thinking about it more in terms of like, how do we market to this audience? Because the secret behind any great company is great people, right? And like, if, if individuals are not giving as much time, energy and focus to the people that they bring into the organization, then like the people that are receiving or benefiting from their product or service are are gonna lose out eventually, right? Because it's that's what drives these businesses to be successful. It's the people inside the business. So um, it should be a top priority for any business leader. Um, And I think for a long time, it's just been sort of like this thing that people have kind of punted and just said like, oh, it's it's an HR thing, but it's it's a business strategy thing. There's no more important decision that you make as a leader than than, who to take with you on that, that journey. So I would say the first thing is always to start there and to take it seriously. And, you know, business owners are smart people. Right, they, but if they can kind of train their focus uh, on that and think about who are we bringing into the organization, are they the right people? What do we care about? What do we value? And and what does that mean? And how does that translate into the type of person we want to bring in? That's, you know, they're they're going to be uh, well on their way to, uh, to, you know, to achieving success. I think if they just start by doing that, and partner with a company like Avenica, sure. There's right. that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, that, that's your core competency. And that's where, you know, you can bring in the, the lessons and the best practices, you know, from in, engaging with the other businesses. That's great. Well, thank you again, Scott, for your time. Really appreciate it. You know, you share some golden nuggets. That's going to be helpful to our listeners. Again, for our listeners, uh, you can go to 
the show's website, infinitehorizons.com, infhorizons.com forward slash podcast. You can also go on the show's Facebook community page, facebook.com forward slash Bill Ballard by choice. We are going to have Scott's uh, information, our benefits information in shows, uh, the podcast show notes, so you can get information from there. Until next week, bye for now. Thank you.